Again, if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us to the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible. Book of Genesis chapter 22, as we continue our series on the names of God. The book of Genesis chapter 22, and we'll begin reading with verse 1. And what we're doing in this series, we're looking at the various names of God. God is so mighty, God is so majestic that throughout the Old Testament especially, we find names of God. God gives us names so that we can understand Him better. And God gives us these various names, and we're looking at some of them. We're not looking at all of them. We're looking at some. Today, we're going to look at one of my favorites because it's one we need to hold on to, Jehovah Jireh. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. We've already talked about Abraham earlier, but now we continue talking about him again. It says, now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, now take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he says, here I am, here I am my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. And then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Pray with me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, today you help us to understand the beauty of Jehovah Jireh. And help us, Father, to understand it and apply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's various names for God. In this chapter, we find the name Jehovah-Jireh. This is the name that Abraham gives to God as he is preparing a place. And so in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, we find Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. Now, remember, we've been talking about the names of God. The name Jehovah, when you ever see the name Jehovah, that means the ever-dependent, the, the covenant-keeping God, the God who cannot lie, the God whose word never fails. And so every time you see the word Jehovah in the Bible, it shows that we have a God who cannot lie to us. He will keep his word. The word Jireh literally means to see, the understanding to see in order to provide. 
So say Jehovah Jireh, you're saying we have a God who has all power, who will never break his word, who sees what we need and will provide for us. Now, if there's anyone in the Bible who knew that God could provide, it was Abraham. I mean, all through his life, God provided. I mean, remember the story when God told Abraham to go walk in the desert? Literally, that's what the Hebrew said. He said, go walk in the desert, and I'll tell you where to stop. And he left. I mean, God came to Abraham and said, you're going to be the father of a great nation. Well, we had no children. I mean, over and over, he saw how God provided. Well, God, if I walk in the desert, how can I support myself? Well, God will provide. How will I know my destination? Well, God will provide. Lord, I don't have any children. How can I have children to be the father of a great nation? Well, the Lord will provide. Over and over, we see this pattern. And he knew God would provide. It means God will provide all of our needs. But now we come to this chapter. And if you've never read this chapter before, this is a shocking chapter until you realize the first verse prepares us. It says, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Now that's for us, the reader. We need to know that. Many of us... 1963, 1997, every day we heard it on our television said, this is a test. For the next 60 seconds, the station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. We heard that. We, didn't, we weren't worried. We weren't concerned. Why? It was a test. So God tells us in his word, before you read the rest of the chapter, hey, this is a test. Because if you didn't know that, this would be a very disturbing chapter. This is a test. What we're reading is a test. Because God will test us. He tests us constantly. I mean, God will test us as an opportunity to provide that God is faithful to us, and God will test us to, for us to provide to him and prove to him we're faithful to God. And all through the Bible, you see God testing his people. I mean, Jesus, remember the feeding 5,000? He tested the disciples. He said, where are we going to get food? And John said he said this, testing them because he knew what he would do. And so here's God. He's testing Abraham. Now, please understand, God tests us to bring out the best. Satan tempts us to bring out the worst, and there's a difference. But sometimes God testing, if we're not careful, we can turn it into a temptation. But verse 1 says, this is a test. This is the last greatest chapter crisis in Abraham's life. Abraham didn't know it was a test. All he knew, this is what God told him. This test will determine Abraham's future. It will determine his family. It will determine the, the nation of Israel, and it will determine the world's future. Everything relied on this test. And here's the test. I want you to take your son, your only son, the son you loved. You notice how, how he kept saying all this? And go make a sacrifice. A burnt sacrifice. Go take sacrifice. You know what that means? You know, in the 21st century, America, we probably don't think about it. A sacrifice is a living sacrifice. It has to be alive, and you have to kill the animal. You have to kill the creature. To have a burnt sacrifice, not only after you killed it, after you drain its blood, I know it's gross, but after you drain the blood, after cutting the throat, you dismembered the animal. You cut it into pieces. Then you burn the pieces. 
That's what God is saying to Abraham. You go make your son a burnt offering. Now, again, we would freak out had it not been for verse 1. Oh, we know this is a test. This is very common in that day. God had never asked this before. We know it's a test. Abraham doesn't know it yet. But he's going to trust God. And the Bible says, I want you to take your son whom you love. By the way, a little trivia. I love trivia. This is the first time the word love is used in the Bible. And it's talking about the love of a father to his son. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. The first time the word is love is used in the New Testament. It's talking about God's love toward his son. Both times the word love is used. first time is about a father and a son. And so God says, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him. Now, this test is really twofold. Abraham, do you, will you obey me and do you love me? Is my, your love for me greater than the love for your son? So, what does Abraham do? Look at verse 3. He rose early in the morning. Okay. God, that's what you want me to do. I don't understand, but I'm leaving early. How could Abraham do this? I mean, there's no debate, there's no question, just obedience. How? You see, before Abraham obeyed God, he trusted God. You are never going to obey God until you trust God first. You won't. And Abraham trusted God. He trusted two things about God. Number one, he trusted God's plan. I mean, he didn't know what God was doing. He had no concept. But he understood, God, this is your plan. I trust your plan. Don't understand it, but I will go through it. Listen, if all we're going to do, if all we're going to do is obey the commands we understand, and all we're going to do is obey the commands that we can figure out that make sense to us, we're not going to obey a lot that God tells us. Most of it makes no sense to us because God's ways are not our ways. I can't explain to you tithing. I can't explain to you being a servant. I can't explain to you about turning the other cheek. I can't explain to you about the last will be first. I can't explain that. But God tells us. Abraham trusts in God's plan. And so he takes his son. And by the way, we see that word lad there. Isaac is a teenager, probably maybe in his early 20s. That word means from a teenager to a soldier's age. You have to understand this. Isaac knew what he was doing. As he's going up there, because remember, Abraham is 100 years older than his son. I think Isaac could take him. I mean, it says Abraham tied him up. I think Isaac could have taken him. Now, Abraham had fancy footwork. I get that, but listen. Isaac trusted his father because his father trusted God. Isaac didn't know the plan either. He said, all right, Dad, I'm going to trust you. This has never been done before. Abraham trusted in God's plan, but secondly, he trusted in God's provision. And that's what he called the place. He called the place Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Again, the word provide means to see with the understanding that you will provide. In other words, Abraham's saying, God, you have seen ahead and you provided for me. I love Isaac's statement. He said, hey, Dad, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where's the lamb? That's the question, isn't it? Where's the lamb? 
And Abraham said, the Lord will provide the lamb. In Genesis 22, the question is, where is the lamb? By the way, that is answered in the book of John. When John the Baptist sees Jesus and said, behold, the lamb. We see it in Revelation, the glory of the lamb. God's going to provide. See, Abraham trusted the provision of God. And it said right after he was stopped from, from sacrificing his son, it says he looked up and saw a ram in the thicket. Now, let me tell you a little trivia about rams and thicket. When a ram gets caught in a thicket, one or two things are going to happen. He's going to break free or he's going to break his neck. He's going to break free or he's going to break his neck. Therefore, for Abraham to look up and see a ram living in the thicket, that meant it just happened. It just so happened at that moment, at the right moment, at the right time, God provided. You know, every now and then I hear people say, well, he, he missed it, he's walked past it. No, it couldn't. That ram was either going to escape or break his neck. God provided at the right time, at the right moment, what Abraham needed. That's what he's saying. Abraham says, I trust in the provision of God, and I will be obedient. So here's the question. Just because God is Jehovah Jireh, what does that mean to us? What does it mean to us that God is Jehovah Jireh? Well, let me give you three things. Number one, because he's Jehovah Jireh, we can focus on God's promises even when we don't know the plan. We can trust in his promises even when we don't know the plan. Abraham never got all the details. All he knew was the next step. He trusted in the promises. Why? Because God provided. I don't have to know everything, God. Just tell me the next thing. Listen, when you know the who that you are obeying, you don't need to know the what. A while back, I was, I was reading a story about Jacob Smith. Jacob Smith is a 15-year-old, legally blind, free-ride skier. Okay, think about that. He has extreme tunnel vision, has no depth perception on that. He competes in free-ride skiing. Now, I've skied before, and I, granted, many times I do have to close my eyes, but I'm not blind. How does he compete? Well, his family helps him. His brother Preston literally helps him to the top of the mountain because it's so far up there, he, they can't do a ski lift. But his father, Nathan, is at the bottom of the mountain with binoculars. And he has a two-way radio, and he's talking to Jacob as he's skiing. Somehow, as he is skiing, his father is telling him what to do. This is what his father, Nathan, said in the article. It's on me to make sure I don't let him down. I have to guide him through the narrow chutes and not go off a cliff. Jacob is not reckless. He knows his limitations. I think he has the ability to ski anything on the mountain, but he's not going to try to do it by himself. Like, he wants to be with somebody who he can trust. He won't ski with people he doesn't trust. Then they asked Jacob. I love the question that reporters will ask sometimes. He asked, they asked Jacob, do you trust your father? Here's what he said. Remember, he's 15. He said, I mean, enough to turn right what he tells me. I love that answer. Yeah, I trust my father. Turn right, I'm going to turn right. Well, Abraham trusted God. Whatever God's going to say, I'm going to do. I don't, I don't need to know the whole plan. You don't have to explain everything. 
He'd done it before. He said, walk in the desert. He started walking, didn't know where he was going. You see, a lot of us, we want to know the final destination before we make a decision. We want to know all the steps before we take the first step. When God is your Jehovah Jireh, you don't need that. You know that God will provide for you through the assurances of his promises. And when we live by his promises and we obey, we don't need to know all the details. God told Abraham to go to Moriah. That's a region. That's wilderness. He didn't tell him what mountain. He said, just go to Moriah. Then later it says he lifted up his eyes and saw the place. And then later he saw the mountain. He didn't know every step. He just knew the next step. You cannot go to the mountaintop if you've never walked to the mountain in the first place. You see, everybody wants the mountaintop experience, but you never walk to the mountain. Abraham trusted the promises of God. You don't have to feel something. You don't have to know everything. You just have to be obedient. Why? Because the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. We live by his promises, really not by his explanations. Now, what has God told you to do? Has God told you to do something? Are you obedient? Are you waiting for a further explanation? You're trying to say, God, I, I need you to explain a little bit more to me before I, I'm obedient. Again, I can tell you there are things I can't explain. Again, I can't explain tithing. I can't explain giving. Maybe God's calling you to the mission field. Maybe God's calling you to the ministry. Maybe God is calling you to change jobs. Maybe God is, is calling you to walk across the street and witness. Maybe God is telling you to help somebody. I don't know. But the question is, are you doing it? You say, I need all the plans. No, you don't. What is God telling you to do? And you need to do it the first step. Number two. Because he's Jehovah Jireh means our problems are simply opportunities for God to prove his power. Because God is Jehovah Jireh, our problems are simply opportunities for God to prove his power. From Abraham's perspective, this made no sense, and he has a major problem on his hands. Okay, God, you gave me Isaac to be the father of a great nation, but now you've told me to sacrifice him. Well, if I do that, he cannot be the father of a great nation. This is a problem. I don't understand the problem. Abraham cannot put those two together. But what's going to happen, God is going to take this problem and turn it into an opportunity for Abraham and Isaac to see the power of God. When we know that God is our provider... We know he has the power, no matter what our problems are, whatever we are dealing with, to God, those are just opportunities to show us who he is. I mean, every, any problem we have, it's like, okay, God, here's my problem. It's a problem to me, but to you, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to show me your love and your power. So, also, if he's Jehovah Jireh, then that changes how I think about things. It changes how I focus on emotional issues or even mental issues. Because if God is Jehovah Jireh, whatever problems I might have, God can take those problems to turn it into an opportunity to show his power. Therefore, why am I wasting energy worrying? Why am I wasting energy thinking about things? 
Why can I not just say, okay, God, you're Jehovah Jireh. Whatever problem I have, here it is. I trust you to show me your power. Remember, all Abraham knew was Isaac was going to be the, father, uh, the, 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 the child who starts a nation. That's all he knew. And God wanted sacrifice. He, he couldn't figure it out. But if you go back, there's something kind of interesting. Remember what he told the, the servants? He said, we're going to go make a sacrifice. And then he said, we shall return. In Abraham's mind, God is going to do something. He didn't know what, but God is going to do something there. The writer of Hebrews says it, that Abraham believed that he was going to get Isaac back from the dead. Now, explain that. I'm going to sacrifice my son, dismember him, burn him, and then God's going to bring him back. And Abraham's mind, this is possible. Why? Because he's Jehovah Jireh. He didn't know what was going to happen, but this problem is simply an opportunity for God to prove his power. You know, we always talk about verse 14 where Abraham said, you know, this God provides. But I submit to you is back at verse 8. When Isaac says, hey, Dad, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide. Abraham already had it in his mind, God's going to provide. I said a few weeks ago, one of my heroes of the faith is Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China another generation. He was a man who lived by faith, incredible prayer warrior. Just reading his life, I mean, it, it sounds like somebody made it up, but he didn't. One day he wrote a letter to his wife when he was going through some Tough times, testing times, as he called it. But he didn't lose faith in God. He wrote these words to his wife. He said, we have 25 cents and all the promises of God. I love that. We have 25 cents. We've got some problems, but we have the promises of God. Whatever my problems are, it's simply opportunities for God to show me his power. Third, only God can provide our great need, our great spiritual need. Only God can provide for our great spiritual need. Abraham's desperate situation showed him that only God could help. And if God had not intervened at this moment, everything would be different. If Isaac had been killed, there would be no nation of Israel. If there's no nation of Israel, there would be no Messiah. If there was no Messiah, we would not have salvation. And Abraham knew this was important because it says in verse 14, the Lord will provide. Then it says, as it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Here's what it means. The, the proverb meant in the moment of difficulty, in the moment of problem, when all human help is gone, God is going to provide for our needs. That's what he's saying. But there's something else about that proverb. Does this story sound familiar? A father who wants his son to be a sacrifice? And Isaac going to a mount, carrying the wood on his shoulders? Does it sound familiar? Because in 2,000 years, it's going to happen again. When our Lord Jesus walked up Mount Calvary, and he was carrying the wood of the cross on his shoulders. 
willingly laying down his life because he trusted his heavenly father. And because of what Abraham and Isaac did here, prepared the way for our Lord Jesus to come. And because of this, because God is our Jehovah Jireh, we know that God can provide our greatest need, our greatest spiritual need is salvation. And all we need to do is accept it. So this story is not just about Abraham. This story is not just about Isaac. This story is about us. Because this is laying the groundwork, the foundation for Jesus to come. To die on a cross 2,000 years ago for us. To provide our greatest need and that's eternal life. Because we cannot do it ourselves. Again, if something happened to Isaac, the nation of Israel would not be here. The nation of Israel wouldn't be here. The Messiah wouldn't have been come. And, and the Messiah didn't come. We would have no salvation. This story is a story of the coming Savior. He would walk up that mount and be the sacrifice for us. Now, here's my question. Has he provided your spiritual need? Has it been that time when you have given your life in a personal way to Jesus Christ? It takes a first step. You say, well, I, I don't understand it all. You won't. It's impossible. The question is, what are you going to do with this information? that God loved you so much he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you and he offers as a free gift eternal life if you, if you would accept it what are you going to do would you stand and bow your heads he is Jehovah Jireh he saw our great need of our sin and he provided a way to send his son to live a sinless life to die on a cross and taking all the sins of the world upon him being buried on the third day of arose he's Jehovah Jireh today your greatest spiritual need for eternal life he's offering a free gift would you do that this morning by saying, I, I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I cannot save myself. And I do believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he died and was buried on the third day he arose. And Lord, I confess, I give you everything. I'm holding nothing back. I don't understand it all. I don't understand how this works, but I do believe this is the truth. If you're watching online and you want to give your life to Christ or you have questions, just text the word today at 270 398 5005 and a minister will give you a call today but if you're here this morning as we begin singing if you just come to the front talk to me or one of the ministers saying I need to give my life to Christ or I want to join this church or I want to rededicate my life whatever it may be whatever God is asking you telling you to do take that first step Father speak to us now and let us obey in Jesus name Amen